Hello and welcome to the March edition of Queers in the Club. We've got a very exciting episode today with a very special guest. So we've got new releases from Maddie Diaz and Luna Lee and I talked to my friend Ollie about Charlie XCX and Rosalia's new albums. Hello. Hello and welcome back to Quiz in the Club. This is a podcast hosted by me, George. Uh, you probably know the premise by now, but basically I look at songs released in the past month, this time of March. Is it March? It's March. Good job. Um, with an LGBTQ plus focus. So let's launch right into it. Best new track one. First up. We have Rex Orange County and Tyler the Creator, who are back at it once again. Uh, if you don't know, Rex Orange County is an English singer-songwriter who dropped his fourth album, Who Cares, about a fortnight ago. Um, and the third single from the album was this track, which features American rapper Tyler the Creator, who is queer in some way. Sometimes he said he's gay, sometimes he's bi. Who really cares? But. The two artists have collaborated on tracks before, like on Tyler's album Flower Boy, and the two gel very well together. The song definitely proved that, um, and it's quite a chilled laid-back song, with some jazz elements, it's got a mix of strings and hip-hop production, which works quite well. Rex's vocal melodies are super satisfying, um, as he sings about a feeling of entrapment, of being fed up um, and stagnant and trying to escape that. And Tyler backs it up with a pretty straightforward verse that, you know, serves its purpose in switching up the pacing. Um, I find that the song is a real earworm. Uh, I kind of liked it to begin with, but after a few listens, it really, really grew on me. Um, and I find myself humming it all the time. It's very, very catchy. So that's our first track of the month of March. New album alert. Back in my February part one episode, I played the single Silver and Terrain by Luna Lee and Biba Badoobie. Biba Doobie? Biba Doobie. Say her name. Biba Doobie. Biba Doobie? You a peeper? <laughs> Biba Doobie, whose name I finally managed to get round um, to be able to pronounce it. Um, and well, that was the teaser for her album that dropped at the beginning of March. So the album that's dropped is called Duality. And it works in a lot of the sounds that made up the single. Um, so duality is very dreamy, indie pop with a lo-fi kind of bedroom pop quality to it. Um, that may sound like a lot of words, but basically, Lee often records her music at home. And in fact, her creative musical TikToks during lockdown created lots of buzz. Um, and a lot of that DIY homely, I guess, ethos comes to fruition on this project. Take the song Flower in Full Bloom, for example. Um, I feel like the song reflects so much of this album as a whole. So I'm kind of picturing flowers in bloom, sun shining, very dreamy soundscapes, um, all, all, all that jazz. So the song, like a lot of duality, makes the most of gentle strings and guitar leads, occasionally breaking out as it here does into some fuzzy guitar grooves that change up the pace in a track list that could otherwise sound a bit, you know, samey samey. Um, this song is also aided by a feature from non-binary rapper Dreamer Isioma, 
who I hadn't heard of before, but actually, you know, after the, the verse that they give, I would definitely give it, be giving their music a go from here on out. This is Flower in Bloom. And the track that follows Flower is the song Alone But Not Lonely, which is a short track. It's less than two minutes, but it definitely adds a bit more dimension to Duality's consistent, dreamy, shoegazy pop. Um, the track definitely draws on that sound with some muted lo-fi strings and electronics before breaking out into this psychedelic repetition of the title Alone But Not Lonely um, that Luna Lee sings over some disco-inspired backing. It's a short and sweet song, and the repetition of the refrain definitely summarises how so many of us process the experience of being in lockdown. Um, I think if the song went on for much longer, it might sound like Lonely was trying to convince herself that she wasn't lonely. Um, but the summary sounds and disco influence definitely make it feel like an affirmation um, or, or rejoicing in finding creativity through being isolated. Um, as I said, Luna Lee did that very well on TikTok, um, so I think the songs here on Duality solidify that idea. Best new track two. Back in January, I spoke about the XX's Romy Croft um, and her new single with Fred again, and how it was returned to the gay clubs that she grew up with. Um, well, now comes the turn of the XX's other lead vocalist, Oliver Sim, who himself is a gay man. I'm pretty sure that makes the XX one of the gayest bands out there. Um, and I mean that as a compliment. But anyway, this song, Romance With A Memory, is Oliver Sim's debut single, produced by Jamie XX, so it's very much keeping it in the family, as it were. Uh, the track has this hypnotic beat that Sim sings over and talks over in the chorus in a way that's sort of reminiscent of almost a Right Said Fred track. It's a bit of a stretch, but the similarities are there. Um, it's got this very sleek, loungy atmosphere that really works with the lyrics. Um, Sim talks about being disappointed by romantic partners and the sort of pleasure that comes from that finding yourself almost addicted to the feeling of not having your needs met, um, which he addresses quite clearly and, and poetically, I'd say. So the song's very intriguing. I'd be curious to see what else we get from him down the line. Maybe an album, hopefully. Maybe? Hopefully? Let's hope so. New album alert. Now, if you listen to my top 20 songs of 2021 um, in that episode, you might remember that I talked about Maddie Diaz, um, whose song Woman In Me I listed at number 20, in fact. Um, that song came from the album History of a Feeling. And what Maddie Diaz has done is released an EP that revisits four tracks from that album and reworks them in a collaboration with four different artists. Um, the EP is called Same History, New Feelings, and the collaborations really change the way that you hear the songs themselves, not just because you literally have another voice in the mix, but they also change the perspectives of the songs, I find. Um, and I want to pick my two favourites from this EP. The first of which features a fellow queer woman in the form of Angel Olsen, who I'm a massive fan of, and who appears also in my top tracks of 2021, funnily enough. Albeit that time she was at number two, so a bit better. Anyway, uh, she joins Maddie Diaz on the song Forever, an acoustic ballad that places the two women's vocals at its forefront. 
The harmonies really add depth and heartbreak to the vocal melodies, um, as if the lyrics weren't sad enough, lamenting about being lied to, being told that you'll be loved forever when you're not. Um, it all sounds very depressing, but that's why we love it. It's very beautiful, and Angel Olsen's little contributions just add some colour in the moments that she features in. I think that's really what makes this project, Same History, New Feeling, stand out, in my opinion. The, the female-led collaborations feel very earnest and definitely merit credit for their ability to show a certain level of fragility as well. Likewise, we find that with the song Resentment, um, which features artist Waxahachie. It's a name that's quite hard to spell. Um, that's definitely not a good marketing ploy there, but the song that comes with it is definitely worth the difficult name. Uh, Waxahachie is a name that often comes up in the same sort of conversations in terms of the music genres and circles that Maddie Diaz exists in. That sort of singer-songwriter, folky, Americana style of music. Um, they both succeed in that really, really well, I think. Um, and this song, Resentment, which I already love from the solo version, gets taken to a new high with Waxahachie's presence. It's more upbeat than the last song I mentioned, but equally as sad as the title Resentment might suggest. Um, again, it's the harmonies that really add shades and depth. Um, I find Waxahachie's voice to have a bit more of a country twang um, and a bit more grittiness that totally works with a song about bitterness and disdain and resentment. Um, it works super well with Maddie Diaz's more pure, drier voice. So the result is a perfect balance, I'd say, and it makes a very good song into a great one, in my opinion. So definitely check out the new EP by Maddie Diaz. Same history, new feelings. Best new track three. And our final uh, track or single that was dropped in the month of March is that of Muna. Muna's upcoming self-titled album following last year's collaboration with Phoebe Bridges on Silk Chiffon. Um, uh, they, they've released this new track because the collaboration between Phoebe Bridges and Muna does not just end there, given that Muna are currently signed to Phoebe Bridges' own independent record label, Saddest Factory Records. It's a very queer label. All three members of Muna identify as queer, with the non-binary guitarist Nomi McPherson going by they them pronouns. Um, this song is really cool. There's elements of country-esque guitar licks remaining in the shimmery, glistening pop sound that was present in Silk Chiffon. Um, but where that song was all about tenderness and sapphic love, this is a bit different. Um, it's sort of a well-wishing to an ex-partner, offering support and wishing them the best, but reinstating a boundary between themselves and lead singer Katie Gavin. It's a self-assured and joyous uh, song. Um, it definitely expresses a freedom away from that past relationship. Um, I'm very excited to see what the album presents with us. It's due for release on June 24th, and I can definitely see this song being part of my summer playlist um, with whatever sapphic pop Muna drops until then. So that was the song Anything But Me. So, if I'm being totally honest, I struggled to find a third project to talk about in the month of March, just in terms of releases from queer artists. But what did dominate um, gay Twitter 
and TikTok, for example, were the drops of two big pop albums from big female artists. So what I might do for this week is talk a little bit about the albums while framing them as potential future or incoming gay icons. Um, So this might be an interesting shift in terms of moving away from the, you know, the segment of It's a Time for a Gay Icon from what is basically a history or like a biography lesson towards a more discussion on contemporary queer culture and what being a gay icon resembles nowadays. Um, And I will be also featuring some guests to talk about that. Um, So let's first of all start with Charlie XCX. So I mentioned Charlie's song Beg For You last episode as it features Rina Sawayama, herself a bisexual woman. Um... It was the third single from her new album, Crash, which dropped in its entirety last week. Um, Charlie, for a long time, has built up a large fan base of gay and queer people. Um, At meet and greets, she has been known to sign douches, bottles of poppers, and most recently scream trans rights while holding a fan's packet of estrogen. Um, And in a piece with Bulbog magazine, she wrote a love letter to the queer community saying that she's always been inspired by them and that she'd be nothing without them. Um, It's clear then that beyond just having a large queer fan base, though, which would otherwise kind of normally grant her the status of gay icon, Charlie has also gone out of her way to work with dozens of queer artists and producers. Um, That's not to say it's been a choice per se, but just that her sound, especially that kind of hyper pop genre, um, often features queer artists, um, take her collaborations with the late great Sophie, Mickey Blanco, Brooke Candy, Troy Sivan, Clyro. Um, on this new album, Crash, there's Rina Sawayama, who I mentioned, and there's also Christine and the Queens, who features on the tracks New Shape alongside Charlie, as well as Caroline Polacek. So let's talk about Charlie with my special guest for today. Oliver Bricknell, long-time Charlie Stan and friend of mine, I guess. You might say we're friends. Sorry, are you Rosalia? <laughs> yes. Uh, sorry to bother you. Are you, are you Rosalia? Yeah. <gasps> right. Hello, Ollie. Hello, George. How are you? Alive. <laughs> As usual. Period. Period. Um, so, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dal. You're welcome. I thought I'd get someone who knows about gay culture. An expert. An expert, you might say. On being a white gay. <laughs> On being a white gay in today's society. Um, and first of all, we're going to talk about Charlie XCX. How did you first find out about Charlie XCX? I think, like... Probably the first I actually had heard of Charlie was when she was on the what's it, what was it called the the, the Four Stars, Stars soundtrack. Yeah, but then like I don't know because obviously it was that was like that was like I don't know the most basic mainstream pop single that she's done. Then I guess like yeah. ever since she's like kind of like leaned into her queer audience, which I absolutely love. Yeah, and then when she started working with like PC music producers, mm-hmm. like I remember because I feel like probably like the first time that I realised how important she was for gay people was like after Pop 2 came out. Yeah. Because that really was the album. I don't know that one that where she really, really leaned into that. Yeah, Because yeah, I feel yeah. like the gay people had been like, gradu- the, the gay people. <laughs> the, the gays guys. had been like gravitating towards her music before and then that was the album that really changed it because of like the work of Sophie and everything. Yeah, totally. I think I remember specifically finding the Vroom Vroom EP and being... Oh my, because that was before, that was before Pop 2, wasn't it? Yeah. The, the way we were obsessed with yeah. Trophy and oh my God. All of it. 
Oh, Every single track so I was good. obsessed with. But we're going to talk about Crash. Yeah. Which is interesting because I found that it's an album that kind of goes more back towards the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it takes into account all the work that she's done prior. Yeah. But it's kind of her... The way she described it, she was like, this album is me using all the tools I have being mm-hmm. a label artist mm-hmm. and really pushing that. Um, I don't know what you think of the album. I remember, like, reading something which, like... That it was one of the reviews but it was talking about how it's like her, like the most poppy album but it's at the same time it's the most her albums I guess like you said like I think it's very poppy but it's also very curated and it's also very her and mm. because of the amount of samples that are on it it's not just not to like drag Dua Lipa but it's not like a Dua Lipa album do you know what I mean <laughs> like I think there's yeah. a bit of like thought behind it which yeah. I appreciate a lot yeah that's true I can see that and well, I'm actually very excited because we're going to go see this live. We are. Together. Uh-huh. I might even do like a review episode. Oh my God, could you imagine? Yeah. It'll be fun. Oh. Um, what do you think is your favourite track? I do love Baby. I have mm. loved it since it was released as a single. Mm. I love Beg For You as well. Yeah. And probably Twice. I like Twice a lot too. Twice is probably up there. I like Lightning just because it's quite... It's got that auto-tune mm. breakdown that I like and it's got a very satisfying chorus. Yeah. But I do like it. I think it's a good album. Obviously, I pr- maybe prefer, like, the Vroom Vroom stuff. Uh-huh. I can't deny that it's a very good album. Mm. And what do you think of her being considered as a gay icon? I think, I don't know, like, it's... Is it granted? It's, it's, I think, feel so, because I don't feel it's, like... Because people who... Gay people, like, adopt, like... <laughs> bring in Julie Pepper again. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? There were pop stars who are being manufactured to be shoved down our throats as being, like, like gay icons who are mm. being, like, produced to be that. And I feel like... Charlie's kind of like movement into that stream was more organic. So I Absolutely, guess like, yeah. I'm more willing to like accept her as like someone who like represents gay people. And mm. I feel like she is very like knowledgeable of her like her gay fans, yeah. her queer fans without being a hag at the same time. Yeah. Which no, is sure. very important, I feel like. Because I feel like some they have like a they like appreciate their gay fans, but they don't they have like no like relationship with them. Yeah. So I think it's... But equally, it's not hand No, I feel, I feel represented by her, even if she isn't a queer person herself. That's true. I definitely think she embodies, like, a queer energy. Yeah. Which is interesting, because then we're going to talk about our next person, who I think has less been... I mean, I'll talk about it, but she's been less kind of vi- visibly sort of active... Yeah. ...within the queer spaces, mm-hmm. but still has done quite a lot. Mm. And that is Rosalia. Are you Rosalia? Yeah. So, yes, we're going to be talking about Rosalia, who, if you don't know, is another big female artist, this time from the Spanish-speaking world, who dropped her new concept album, Motomami, on the same day as Charlie. Um, and this kind of may have led to some opportunities to strike up, you know, rivalries or comparisons. Yeah, comparisons. But I want to highlight these two incredible pop artists without sort of pitting them against each other. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Rosalia is from Barcelona and has had a steady trajectory into stardom all over the world. Yeah. And rightfully so. Um, I became first aware of her from the release of her last album, El Malcarer, which combined traditional flamenco with reggaeton and hip-hop, making for interesting... It is just... So I would say that album is just, like, spellbinding. Every part of it. 
And in terms of being a gay icon, Rosalie has actually worked with queer artists like Arca. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually all her profits from her Mac Viva Glam campaign went to supporting women and LGBT Well, then Viva, Viva Glam is a like a, a campaign which is like founded on like supporting like queer people because I guess it was like originally set, set up to support like HIV research and everything. So I guess mm. like in and of itself, it's an, an important campaign for yeah. the queer community. And I mean, I remember watching her Glastonbury performance when she was there, I think maybe 2019. Um, and she explained how her song Ot Couture, yeah. she was performing it on National Pride Day. And she mm-hmm. was saying about how she is a big, you know, supporter of LGBT rights and is very conscious of her fans her queer fans. That's a throwback, that single now as well. Yeah. Oh my God. But, I mean, in terms of the music, mm. come on. Motomami is already, for me at least, lining up to be one Motomami. of my favourite albums. Motomami, Motomami. Of the year. Love. Literally love it. Hentai, we love a ballad. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it's diverse in yeah. terms of its sound. Um, she's very forward-thinking in the way she blends elements of, like, jazz, mm-hmm. reggaeton, hip-hop, hyper-pop. Without it sounding smashed together in any kind of way do you no, know what I mean no it's incredibly diverse but still kind of eclectic and yeah. and sewn together and also I don't know like when she speaks she seems like a very normal like person like when she speaks either in English or in Spanish but mm. like when she just has such a I guess you could say the same thing for Charlie as well. They both have very, very perfectly curated aesthetics, which is something which yeah. I appreciate. And I think the queer community in general like appreciates. Yeah. Image is so much part of that. Mm-hmm. And actually, what I really love the concept of this concept album as well. Yeah. So she's talk- talking about how obviously Motomami is in itself a kind of play on gender. Mm-hmm. The Moto being the masculine, the Mami being the maternal figure. Mm-hmm. And on the album cover, again, we're talking about visuals, yeah. the album cover, she's dressed naked mm-hmm. with a butterfly tattoo uh-huh. with a helmet on. And her like pigtails hanging on the bottom tails, of the, ha- yeah. the helmet. Um, and so I think that's really, really interesting. Um, so when you actually get into the, the album itself, I think her kind of playfulness between androgyny between kind of beautiful sounds kind of more feminine sounding yeah that's I guess what I would say that it is as well as because you could say that reggaeton is kind of more of like like the urban sound is classically more masculine yeah and she kind of dominates those Mm -hmm. two sounds and smashes them together Um, I mean my personal favourite just because when I heard it I was like what is mm. so good? Which was the single, wasn't it? But yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, what was the other single? So she had La Fama with The Weeknd. Yeah. Which I really liked. Yeah. It was it was mm. unexpected. I was almost disappointed. And I was like, where is this album going? Was yeah. This the but first I, that single? was, I guess, that was the first taste of it. And then the rest of it wasn't really quite so on the same exact wavelength as La Fama. No. And again, for me, Sayoko was so cool because it has these jazz sort of breakdowns in between Mm -hmm. and then has this really dirty like heavy bass line in it that really really works and even during in the lyrics she talks as well about so obviously the kind of feminine la mariposa the butterfly and then she references she says the song is all about transformation and about you know continually moving she Mm -hmm. says i'm like the butterfly and i transform i'm also like she says el makeup the drag queen exactly i transform and she mentions this drag queens again I think in Chicken Teriyaki another song from the album mm-hmm. so she's very kind of conscious as well of kind of drag culture yeah her queer fan which is I guess like touching back to like what I said about Charlie's what it's just important to have them be aware of like their audience but then also yeah. like the artists that have like opened up like the path that they're on mm. what do you think constitutes a gay icon nowadays I mean we kind of talked about that the idea of the 
the awareness of your fans, the importance of image. Yeah. I guess it's because the music maybe that resonates, because I guess like it was, like in a, I don't know how to word it without saying like, in, like obviously years ago when there were less artists who were representing gay people, mm. when gay rights had a further way to come, mm. representing gay people could kind of be a bit more like broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. I guess now like a queer artist kind of has to focus on the... The queerness. Of yeah, mm. and the aspects of queer culture which still have to be accepted by the mainstream, which mm. I feel like is more important than, like, say, Madonna or even like Lady Gaga, like, ten years ago. Mm. Because, like I say, like I guess like, the problems that um, queer people have to deal with now are, like, quote-unquote, more nuanced than mm. they were, like, in the past. Mm. So I guess that's what they kind of need to, like, lean into, which I feel as though they do. Do, yeah. 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 No, I agree. And another quick question, then. Who is your gay icon? You often we talk about there's the one. There's one artist who maybe when you were growing up you thought yeah. you listened to and said, This has changed my life. I feel I would probably say Lady Gaga mm. for that. Like I not I wasn't the biggest fan of Joanne or of Chromatica. But like grow that's what it was for me growing up. Mm. She was like one of the, the the Fame Monster was one of the first CDs that I had, and I remember walking around my grandma's house, mm. listening to it on my little iPod Nano, going <laughs> like crazy, not mm. really understanding why it was resonating with me so much because I guess that music was queer even back then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I guess that was like important for me. And then when Born This Way came out, because even because I was how old, like 10, 11 when that song came out. So I didn't even know I was gay. But still, mm. it had like a an effect on me. And it's something that I guess I feel grateful for. Mm. And I guess like those, like those artists, like even like, it's like funny to say that she's like laid a foundation. Bearing in mind, she's still like in the public eye now. Mm. But like, I feel like the work that, like, that they did that was more kind of broad, like I said, has kind of halfed away for... yeah people like Charlie and Rosalia to be doing more like kind of like very specific niche work which still resonates with like a huge part of the gay community absolutely no I totally agree I think Lady Gaga I want to talk about her in another in a future episode mm-hmm. because it's sort of inevitable yeah to bring her up in mm-hmm. it kind of it seems like cliche but like the reason it seems cliche is because of the amount of like actual impact that she did have on the yeah. gay community oh completely especially at times just, yeah. you know when gay marriage was still coming yeah was yet to come into fruition it was completely like on the um on the agenda but mm-hmm. not fully passed yeah so definitely well thank you very much for coming along thank you for having me on that's alright I'm very excited for us to go see Charlie me too and oh we might God, even we are be absolutely to, going to bop we are going to bop we might even have, be able to talk about it on another future episode camp very good um cool and so out of I forgot to ask you out of the songs off Motomami, which is your favourite? I love Hentai, but I probably like Soko so- so- most as well. Mm, okay. Well, I hopefully during our segments you will have been hearing these songs playing as well. Don't forget that you can look at all the songs that I mentioned um, in the description of the episode. Um, so as I said, kind of for this episode, there was no gay icon section. I've kind of combined it with the drops of Charlie and mm-hmm. Rosalia. So I will say once again, thank you to Ali. Thank you very much for having me. You're most welcome. And don't forget to follow at Quiz in the Club on Instagram. And please be sure to subscribe. And leave a bloody review. You should. You should. I haven't done it. Oh, maybe you should. I shall. <laughs> um, and be honest, give me some feedback. If you think the sound quality is shite, then let me know. Tell me. Tell me these things. That's why I won't know. 
Anyway, thank you very much for listening for this March episode. I'm very excited about April. We've got releases from Girl Paul, K Tempest. So there are some kind of eclectic mixes going on and I'll be returning to the gay icon canon. I think we share. Camp. And thank you to our sponsor, RuPaul Fracking. <laughs> is that is that singer Rosalia? Yeah. yeah. Bye. Bye bye.